This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Modern Geek Podcast number 56, recorded September 10th, 2012. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek. 56 we're up to now. Indeed. And I have some kind of fun stuff to talk about right out of the gate here. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I mentioned some of this off and on in, uh, in, in past podcasts, but I, I wanted to kind of focus on it a little bit and, and talk some specifics. You know, I, I got into running a little while back and, uh, and started riding my bike and so on. And being a data geek, I love to collect as much information as I can about those. Mm-hmm. those things because it's it's fun you know you can see what happened and, and what you're doing and and so on well find the geekery out of the activity and you can make it uh interesting hell yeah it's always interesting so so the trick here though is that well there's some super gear out there i mean like i i had mentioned in a past podcast that i have a uh, one of the garmin forerunner watches and it's super cool i mean it's it's a 450 dollar piece of gear that is the size of a, a you know a relatively large watch and and has gps and an accelerometer and all kinds of cool crap but let's say you're not going to spend 450 bucks <laughs> but you're running and you're like you know i'd really like to have some of that well you know here's the deal i didn't jump right to that because you know <laughs> i learned a long time back that you know i might not stick with things <laughs> no go figure <laughs> it happens you know so. our types of personalities jumping all over the place no i couldn't see that happening yeah, what are the chances so <laughs> so i didn't just run out and buy something like that up front because number one like i said i didn't know i was gonna stick with it number two i didn't know what i needed or whether it was valuable or not so the first thing i did was what you and i and a whole lot of other you know gwcers do which is well what can i do with what what i've got you know and I realized, hey, I've got a phone. It's got GPS. It's got an accelerometer. It's got a whole bunch of really cool stuff in it. I paid a fortune for it. You know, I mean, you you pay a number of hundred dollars for your phone on top of the fact that they're subsidized heavily by the main, you know, by the the carrier that it's on. So you have essentially a, a six or eight hundred dollar device that you've already bought, and it's it's sitting right there. Go figure. So I, of course, I hit the app store, right? Okay. Uh, and and started looking around. Actually, there's it, an app for that, right? <laughs> yeah, not even that. Actually, on uh, Facebook, a number of like, you know, friends that I had from people from high school and so on, you know, the you know the people that you see on on Facebook, right? Yeah. They uh, were posting from this thing called Runkeeper, and I thought, oh well, let's go see what that is. And I, I I went and looked, and it turns out that Runkeeper is well, what you'd what you'd imagine. It's a place where you can store information about runs you've done or other yep. cardio activities and they have an app for the iphone as well as an app for android both very similar and it's it's either free or cheap so i grabbed a copy and i tried it i, I believe it's free i think that yeah i think it's free to pick it up and then there's a premium service where you can get extras for it yeah yeah exactly so i uh i tried the app out and the first day i was kind of walking so i just carried the phone with me 
And sure enough, he used the GPS to plot my uh, to plot my core, my path that I followed. And because it had all of the location fixes along the way, it was able to give me my my pace all along the route. Right. Yeah. So it's it's quite a bit of cool information. A hell of a lot more than you have otherwise. And of course, it uploads automatically to Runkeeper, which keeps an, a nice list of it on their website, and you can see what all you've done, and you can you can see reports to see how much you've run or walked in a given week or day, and and blah blah blah. Biggest elevation, you know, that you've you've climbed up or down, and and so on. And anyway, it uh, it's a it's a pretty cool setup. Pretty soon, though, I started wondering what else could I keep. I know you do this as well, right? Right. I mean, you can't help but think, well, you know, there's got to be more to this. And, and you start looking online and you poke around. And I found out that uh, that there are other sensors you can use to collect information when running. So not just not just the phone app then. Well, uh, sort of. I'm, I'm getting there. It's kind of it's kind of okay. Weird. Okay, I'm, a, I'm trying to keep up. Here. <laughs> this is a convoluted way that I came to it, but. I'm just barely getting into this area, so I'm 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 I'm, I'm struggling, but I'll, I'll keep up here. Yeah, so it, it turns out that there are these sensors, like for example, they make a cadence sensor, which is a little accelerometer that's I don't know about the size of your thumbnail that attaches to your shoelaces, and it can tell when your foot hits the ground. So it can send that up, and uh, and a various device or app can store, you know, the the cadence at which you're running. Uh, you can okay. also you can also wear heart rate monitors, which are kind of interesting and useful to be able to record your heart rate at any given time and see how much effect uh, a given pace might have on you or or a change in what you're doing. Now, most of these, uh, as you might imagine, there's kind of a standard out there for this wireless data transfer. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that it's not like you've got cables hanging off of you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they have a wireless transmitting setup uh and it's called ant plus ant plus now they're not all that way but the vast majority of gear out there now is ant plus compatible because so many devices use it that uh, it's kind of foolish not to right so again not wanting to go by uh, now i'm aware of these high-end devices that can record that data and so on but still not wanting to buy one i'm like you know it would be really handy if i could somehow just record that using my phone so I looked around, and a number of places make little uh, little dongles that you can plug into the dock connector on the i on the iPhone, and it will automatically receive. It becomes a receiver for Ant Plus hardware. Okay, see that's cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, well, you know, I had bought an arm strap because I got tired of either carrying the phone in my hand. You can't run like that for for long. You certainly can't run with it in a pocket. Uh, I have a little belt that you can stick the phone in, but it really doesn't receive very well when it's strapped to you like that. So uh, I bought an armband, which is great, except I had this massive, uh, weird, I'll call it a geek tan instead of a farmer tan, because <laughs> like, my right arm has like a big white spot on it from where from where the stupid uh, armband was, and it was annoying. Mm-hmm. So. Plus, uh, because I bought the armband, I would I would need to modify it to hold it, the phone with the key on it. Uh, and, and I got to looking around, and one comp- there's a company called Wahoo Fitness, which makes a variety of devices designed to utilize the phone as a GPS receiver and uh, and an accelerometer and to and a data recorder. So you can leverage this device you already have. 
Uh, about this time, I, I was riding my bike as well, and they make, not surprisingly, Amp Plus sensors for the bike, specifically a cadence sensor, and a uh, which tells how fast you're pedaling, uh, and a speed sensor telling you how fast the bike goes. Okay, yeah, yep. Yep. So uh, in the meantime, I had been just sticking the phone in my armband and telling it I was cycling and, and the RunKeeper app would record my ride, at least the same kinds of things that it recorded for running, i.e. your path and your speed. Okay. So at this point, though, I'm thinking, wow, you know, if I crash, I'm probably going to tear the crap out of this phone. <laughs> and that would be kind of bad. Well, yeah. You know, and plus you can't really see it when it's on your arm, which is annoying. Well, Wahoo Fitness makes a pretty cool uh, case for the phone. It's it's relatively durable. It's not real small, uh, but it's it's uh, you snap it loose, the front comes off of it. The phone goes into a uh, a cradle that is is kind of a soft rubber that is inside a hard plastic. When you snap the top of the case on, it has a relatively thick uh, conductive clear cover so that you can uh, use the touch screen on the phone. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, and they make a mount for that on the bike. And this case has a built-in uh Amp Plus receiver key. Ooh. So, so when you install okay, it, so it Yeah, you get you get in it, you install it in the case, you put the case on the bike, it is now an Amp Plus receiver and relatively protected and mounted where you can see it on the bike. Right, okay. I'm, I'm seeing it here. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the site there. Ah, awesome. This is pretty cool. It is actually. Now, uh it's not super cheap. Uh, you, no, it looks like it's a hundred bucks off of their site directly. Yep, you're you're about you're in for about a hundred bucks with the uh, with the case and all the all the hardware and all the stuff you'd need to make it go. Well, you know that doesn't actually seem that unreasonable though, because if you're talking about getting a bike um, frame for your iPhone and then the Ant Plus receiver, I mean, like how how much is an Ant Plus receiver on its own, right? Yeah, about forty bucks. So you're really in the about the same ballpark. Yeah, it's actually it's and it, and it gives you a unified uh, unified system for doing all of this. Right, and I used it a couple of times riding on the bike. You know, I would mount it and use it. Now there are some drawbacks. I I think the big thing to note here is that yeah, you're in at a hundred bucks, but and here's the big but, mm-hmm. uh, it's still a hell of a lot less than four hundred and fifty. Right. I mean, a hundred bucks, maybe you can do that. Four hundred fifty, maybe not. You know. Right. It was letting me record some significant information about my uh, about my rides. I could. Uh, it was especially handy because when I rode the trainer uh, with the bike in a trainer mode on a mounted on a, a trainer that lets you ride it inside. Uh, I without GPS, I had no data with Runkeeper. Uh, the okay, yeah, yeah. Wahoo Fitness has their own app that reads the Amp Plus data and will uh, will export to RunKeeper, which is pretty handy. Excellent. Uh, so I had been using it. Uh, it will also record GPS as well. Uh, and it was about it. It was at this point that I started to realize, hey, I'm using the crap out of all this. Now I really want the uh, the run capable run capability so i was looking at investing 40 bucks in another key to that i could fit into my uh you know into an armband and possibly another armband that it would fit in they make one for that right and it was at that point that i realized i was going to spend another 100 150 bucks and this was stupid and i burned all of my amazon gift cards for the last couple of years <laughs> and invested in a piece of gear that would do the job for all of it 
Yeah, the Monopoly money goes fast when you start to get into something like this. Yeah, well, that's nothing compared to biking. Holy crap. Just even making an old <laughs> crappy bike run costs a fortune. But, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I'm not recommending that everybody follow the path I did. I'm not sure it's exactly the best one. But I think I can recommend a couple of paths that might work for individuals. Okay. Uh, specifically, if you are getting if you're getting into running and you would like to or you walk with, uh, you know, you walk for exercise and you would like to record that because let's face it, it's fun to record stuff for exercise. I mean, as a geek, number one, uh, you can look at your accomplishments, which feels good. I like that. Number two, achievement unlocked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And number two, that was what I was exactly what I was going to say. Gamification. Geeks, we look at a number, we want to change it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so you can now effectively grind, you know, which is important, you know? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I used to be a WoW player. I know all about this. <laughs> yeah, so now you're like, oh, cool. Look, I could put in 20 miles. I could put in 50 miles. I could put in all that effort and actually get something out of it rather than going, well, you know, now I'm revered with this imaginary faction. <laughs> exactly. You got it. So, uh, so great. And... If you're one of those people, the first thing to do is if you're walking, you can just stick the phone in a pocket, get the free app. You're good to go. The RunKeeper website, an account is free. You really don't need the uh, the extra the uh, premium account or whatever. No. Uh, all it does is give you a few additional reports. Uh, and well, I guess I guess too, if you're just using the the RunKeeper app too, there's only a limited amount of data you're putting it into it anyway, and those more complex. Uh, analysis analyses wouldn't really make as much of a difference as someone who does have all of the extra metrics that yeah. you're pumping into it, right? Yeah, there are only two advantages. One, you get a, a, a more complex report engine, and two, you get the ability to broadcast your stuff live if you want to. If you don't care uh-huh. about that, you have no need for the premium app. <laughs> I bought the premium app simply because I was a big fan. I thought it was such a cool service. I wanted to support it, but... Well, yeah, support support the site. Yeah, damn right. But I don't. I I really don't use either feature that much. You, you know what really strikes me about this is that you you think that say ten or fifteen years ago that if you wanted to do something like this, this would be a very very specialized market that you would be getting all of the purpose built hardware and and spending a lot more and effectively doing a lot of this by hand, and now. If you're bored, you can download an app and start right away with the most basic of data and see if you want to get into it. And it's like it's it's amazing how stuff like the iPhone can open up just, oh, well, let's try it. Let's see if I like recording my own. Exactly. Exactly. This is brilliant. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, you know, this is such a uh, if you have a smartphone, whatever the hell kind you've got, it's such a. it's such a complex like, piece of gear. There's so much awesome stuff in it that you can you can with some software turn it into you know sixty percent of all kinds of cool stuff. It's 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 amazing, and and I mean as well too. If you start getting into it, I mean they apparently this bike case mm-hmm. uh, from Wahoo works even like with an old three G. So like it, it works with all of these phones leading up to it as well, which. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, uh, um, I, I would suggest if you're, if you're just interested, grab it, stick the phone in your pocket, grab the app, see how it works. Uh, if you are your next step, if you're a runner, uh, and you're not doing anything else, you're just running and you would like to continue using the phone and maybe, uh, and maybe get a little bit deeper in, 
Yeah. Uh, Wahoo Fitness makes a uh, a combo pack, and I think you can see it on the website there if you're still looking at it. One, uh, which is I think they call it their Run Pack, which is a uh, a key, uh, an Amp Plus key, and a an, an arm strap that holds the phone with the Amp Plus key on it. Mm, okay and and that's a relatively cheap uh cheap setup i think it's like uh yeah wahoo run gym pack for iphone um it has the wahoo key the uh wahoo fitness soft heart rate belt and it is again a hundred dollars but it does work with 3g 3gs 4 and 4s so yeah and that gets you a heart rate monitor which is a standard amp plus which means you can use it later if you want to use the others uh, if you want to, you, if you buy a, a more expensive or, or more uh, specific piece of gear, right? Um, you can also pick up a cadence sensor. Incidentally, you can totally mix and match these for the most part. Like, well, re- and I guess maybe that's that's a little bit of a question. I'm I'm starting to have a passing interest in some of this. Uh huh. Um, is is like something like the the gym the the run slash gym pack that just has the heart rate sensor and then whatever sensors it's recording off of the iPhone is that enough is that kind of where you want would want to start with a lot of this or are like are you going to need the shoe sensor and you know what else like it I guess what I'm asking is would that be what you would recommend if you're wanting a little bit more data than what's on the phone. I think, honestly, there are only two pieces of data that you can get beyond what you normally get with the phone, and that is the cadence sensor and the uh, and the heart rate sensor. Uh, right. Heart rate sensors, incidentally, if you happen to just buy the key, if, if it fits already and whatever, whatever uh, however you're carrying your phone, okay. um, they, they mix and match for the large part. I, I for example, you use a uh, Garmin heart rate sensor because I got it cheap off Amazon. It was on sale. It was the older one. Okay. And uh, and it works fine with it. Um, I have a Garmin uh, cadence sensor. Fine. Um, on the bike, I have the Wahoo sensor, uh, which incidentally works fine with my Garmin watch. So, <laughs> gotta love this ant the the standard of yeah. the of the signal, right? I yeah. guess it just and works. you can always Google to check, you know, because there are so many people doing this. It's real easy to find people that have the combination you have to make damn sure that somebody's out there using it. But, um. Yep. I uh, I think that heart rate is probably, and I'm the wrong guy to talk to because I'm brand new to a lot of this stuff. But I think <laughs> yeah. What, what's what's the disclaimer at the end of the uh, of FitSmart? Yeah. It's like these are just opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, heart rate is really interesting. Uh, I'm fascinated by by seeing how uh, how it's changed over time, or how like a small change in a particular workout will will change heart rate significantly. Uh, right. I did notice, for example, like uh, I I was trying to do my first. 10k under an hour and mm-hmm. i didn't quite make it but looking at the run afterward i realized that uh, uh that toward the beginning my pace was was where it needed to be uh but my cadence was and the cadence was relatively fast and toward the end my pace dropped off and my cadence dropped off which makes me think that i was probably uh if i were to uh, if I were to simply pick up the cadence versus trying to extend my uh, extend my stride, I would probably get what I wanted. Things that you wouldn't know without the data. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, okay. I I, I can see the benefit of of the different types of data then. But I I, I think for, uh, as as someone who's uninitiated, I think even just picking up the the 
the app to begin with and, and then figuring out what data you're going to need afterwards is, is kind of maybe a good place to start. Absolutely. From a, uh, from a bicycling perspective, uh, again, you can kind of start off if you just are riding around the neighborhood. If you have an armband uh, for your phone, you can yep. just put it in there and it'll record rides at a basic level, which is super low cost. Uh, incidentally, if you had the gym pack, you could very easily just put it on your arm and pick up a 30 or $40 uh, cadence speed sensor, either theirs or the Garmin sensor, yep. mount it on your bike, and you would get all that data in it. Uh, and again, if you're primarily a cyclist or you're riding and you would like to have something uh, that is essentially a super badass computer, don't forget you have GPS on here with mapping. So it's pretty damn right. handy just to even watch the map and see where the hell you're going. You know, you could be like James Bond in, back in the 70s, right? Watching your moving map on your bike. And, <laughs> I mean... That's pretty cool. Yeah, if you were going to do that, I would say uh, I would say just buy the bike pack because right, it's yeah. 100 bucks and you get all the basics. Uh, so however you want to edge into it. In the long run, you know, you always have the trick of what happens when it rains. Uh, (laughs) neither the uh, gym pack nor the bike pack are really super water resistant i mean they're they're a little bit i certainly the the bike pack especially the bike mount i think it would probably would stand a pretty good bit of rain but uh it doesn't claim to be what i always did was carry a ziploc bag with me and i figured if it rained real bad i would pull it off the bike and stick it in the ziploc yeah well uh, yeah. We've had the horror stories of, of soaked iPhones in the rain. So, yeah. But honestly, nothing better than uh, my, my Garmin 910, which you can swim with. So, uh, I've, yeah, it's rained on me while I was running, and I just didn't care because my phone was in a, in a bag <laughs> in my belt, and my uh, watch was completely water-resistant. So. Sweet. Anyway, cool stuff. Yeah, and, and kind of leading into our next thing, we had a piece of feedback from uh, uh, a listener about uh, our discussion on old iPhones. Nice. Uh, from Jake, actually, uh, who sends us a lot of great stuff. He, it, it's Indeed. Awesome. I have a special folder in my email for his stuff. Because it's awesome like, Jake stuff. Like, this is all great. <laughs> it's true. I do, too, actually. Yeah, but what what he says is, uh, listen to Modern Geek this morning about uses for old iPhones. I actually tend to give them to my daughter. Uh, we have been looking at getting her an iPod Touch to play with and watch movies on. Uh, when I thought about it, it was actually cheaper to upgrade my phone and give her my old iPhone, which when you pull the SIM card out of it, is basically an iPod Touch anyway. Not the most innovative idea, but it was useful and saved me a couple of bucks. Hell yeah, I've heard a lot That's, of people doing that. Yeah, I'm, I, I actually have... Uh, yeah, it's I've I've thought of that uh before and it's I've actually I mean because I live alone I mine has effectively become the spare phone for when I'm having technical problems with nice, the primary one nice. uh which has saved me in the past from when I like you know uh washed an iPhone oh. I was able to take the SIM card out and put it in into the old one and continue using it and uh and you know, being able to swap SIM cards around is useful. That that is a great idea because, and technically, yeah, that that's correct. I mean, the, the, you'll get the uh, no SIM installed error sometimes, but there's nothing really stopping you from just ignoring that and using it as an iPod Touch. And in in the case of that, you actually have you know all the all the GPS and all the Wi-Fi and stuff in it, so it just continues to work as normal, just without any kind of 
mobile data connection, but you know, for something like giving it to a kid, that's not really a concern, really. Awesome stuff. The other thing I actually thought of as well, too, is that um, I'm not sure if the parental controls can lock this out, but you can actually um, turn off the data itself. Um, you can actually go cellular data to off. So if, for example, you have a traditional phone um, uh, on another line or something like that, that you, you don't want to use the data, but you do want to use the iPhone on that account, but not necessarily use the data service for it. Right. You can actually slide it to cellular data off, and it'll just not even try to connect. Um, that's a little more dangerous, especially if you've got like a, a pay-as-you-go data plan, because if you accidentally turn yeah. it back on, you're kind of screwed, and, and those charges can ramp up pretty quickly in the background. So Indeed. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but in a pinch, it can, it can be a surrogate phone to a lesser data plan. Nice. Um, the other, um, other piece of feedback we got was from Zero. Um, who's currently working his way through school as well, and he had something to say about the textbooks. Oh, nice. Apparently, what, what a certain school that he's aware of does, <laughs> no, no pointed remarks intended, right, sure. is um, every semester they come up with a new textbook. And what they do is the text itself doesn't change. Like other than I'm going to guess corrections and revisions, right? But what they do is that they change all of the exercises and examples and questions in the textbook. So if you're doing homework, for example, from the textbook, if you have an old copy of it, you're not even answering the right questions. So you have to buy the new one lest you not get any marks for homework. Now, you know, I actually think I know what he's talking about. There are a couple of things, and this is, um, if, if it's what I think it is, it's not the school, but rather the, uh, the textbook companies do this. Like, right. uh, Pearson is really, like, just, just bad about this. What they do is they, they publish the book, but then they also publish an online component as well as a study guide. Right. And the oftentimes people will use professors will use the study guide and or the online component of the course as exercises during the course of a semester. Those Pearson changes regularly. Not only that, but off, often they will um, they will give you a one semester subscription to their online service with the purchase of the textbook, but we'll not do that. Right. That was the other thing. He actually talked about that as well. Um, And he, he's apparently used a lot of those in in the courses that he's been taking. Sure. And um, I'm going to quote him here. Uh, He says that the software is quote, the most demoralizing crappily programmed and finicky piece of smeg software i have ever dealt with unquote if he's talking about the pearson side i would agree um right well what, what what happens with it is like for example if it's a math question and you know the answer you come to is four minus a but whoever programmed it thought it should be solved as you know like minus a plus four right then you get it wrong yeah so it's like it's it's too it's it's a very just arc archaic piece of software apparently and just frustrating 
I think in a, in a lot of cases, the, the, the big one for me was that like if you bought a used textbook uh, and, and the professor uses the online course, you must now pay Pearson and they make you pay dearly for it, which yeah. is very frustrating. Um, How I, dare you get a used textbook? Now pay this license yeah. fee, right? Yeah. Right, like 40 bucks or more. Which then ends up cost of buying this textbook used. Not quite sometimes, but yeah. but still. Anyway, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of torn. On one hand, to like one of the common things, and this started way back in the day when I first went to school back in in uh, in in the late '80s, early '90s. They were just beginning to. Some universities were just beginning to create uh, programs to allow professors to build their own textbooks like okay. and the tr- yeah the trick to that is that of course they need to license a lot of that material so so like for example in florida there was a uh, there was a place near the university that that had gone through the trouble to figure out how to do all of that and a professor could send in here all the readings that i want to use and this company would go out to all the various people and obtain rights for them and put that together and and sell you a photocopied textbook essentially that that they made some money on and they were able to pay the appropriate license fees for they were not very popular among students because it was this kind of perfect bound pile of photocopies that generally cost like 40 to 90 dollars you know, which was a lot of money. So it, it didn't seem like you were saving a whole lot. Of course, the difference being that you got a very, you know, pointed, well organized and pointed to what you were learning textbook, which was kind of cool in, in, in hindsight. But uh, but now, of course, they're learning to do that uh, at individual universities. And there are some other programs as well where I a lot of my professors now seem to be much more conscious of the cost of their textbooks. Some of them, and and I would say generally, the more like I don't know the right word, the more core the the uh, class. Like like if you take a statistics class, you're probably going to use the statistics textbook and whatever goes with it. You know, which in a in a way makes sense because it's it just doesn't work that way. You know. But if you were to take a uh, maybe a more advanced psychology course, uh, I've seen professors specifically use uh, an older version of a textbook because they know that it's widely available inexpensively. Oh, that's promising. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they, like I had one say, uh, this was la- semester before last, yeah, so actually say, you know, look, I realize there's an eighth version of this. We use the sixth version of this. Uh, you know, there are some slight differences, and there's one reading that I'd like you to go find and do somewhere else, but you can get the sixth version for like $7 on Amazon used, you know? Nice. And you're like, rock on, you know? And uh, a lot of them, too, are are learning the limits of fair use and are definitely making use of one-offs and things in the class via PDF and so on. Uh, it's, it's becoming an all, all out, you know, cluster frack at this point. I, I, I remember back when I was at UVic, I took a, um, even back then the, uh, the bookstores themselves were not also not planned by the rules. The, uh, one of the classes I took was, uh, computers and music. Right. Uh, so it was talking about all about you know um, analog to digital and Fourier transforms, all that kind of stuff. And the guy that was teaching the class had actually written the textbook. Nice. Um, 
Except for when he uh, he was not quite pleased with our group when we half of us walked in. Nah, not me. I was lucky to get an actual copy of it. But the bookstore was selling photocopied copies of the book. Wow, that's not cool. And he's like, so what? Did one of you buy it and everybody else just photocopied it? And, like, he was pretty mad about it. And he's like, I lose money when you do that. And they go, well, no, the, the bookstore sold us it like this shrink-wrapped. And it's like, wait, what? And apparently he had this big, uh, big brouhaha with the, with the bookstore because they were like, well, we, we, we didn't or couldn't didn't couldn't order more enough copies for the class that we filled so for, for that the university filled so we just photocopied what wow. we had. Wow, that's it's not like, going to fly. And well, I mean, you get stuff like that going on. You get um, you know digital copying that's already going on as well, and and. I, I can see it from both sides why this fight is going on, but it's just too bad that all the students are the ones that have to suffer through it. You know, they don't in a lot of cases. I mean, it's it's a lot better. There are a lot of options that didn't exist back in, you know, a number of years ago. So yep. we're seeing more and more of it square away. Uh, there's still, like we talked about in the previous podcast, the issues with uh, with, you know, digital scared professors who, who are unwilling to uh, allow use of readers in class. Uh, and, and yet at the same time, you see a lot that are very friendly to it. It's not uncommon in some of my classes. Granted, my program does kind of lend itself to that. But it's not uncommon in my classes for a professor to say, hey, this is the text. Note there are three versions of it. You know, the first version, the Kindle version is the previous one. It's pretty accurate. It's not so bad. You're going to see more difference in the last half than the first half. I can't promise you it'll be perfect, but truth is I've seen students use it successfully before. You can probably get away with it. It's at your own risk. Uh, you know, though there is a new Kindle version of it I discovered. The, you know, this one is available from here. You can also, they, a lot of times they will put a copy uh, in the library. And I know everybody likes to poo-poo that and say, oh, it's not fair. I can't use it. It's not there half the time. You know what? It's free. You know, do your best. So if, if you, like, for example, if you picked up the cheap-ass Kindle version and then went to the library a couple times, you could probably very easily get through it, you know? Right, right. And, and I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not suggesting you necessarily do this, but you know, uh, I don't know. The copiers in our library will email you <laughs> anything in PDF form for free. So right. if you had an afternoon, <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my! <laughs> but uh, anyway, neat stuff. Yeah. On a more positive note, I did see that there was a follow-up to that uh, problem that we were ha- they were having on the space station. Oh yeah. Remember with the strip bolt or whatever? Oh, right, that they yeah. Could- they're like, oh, we need this technical fix, and and the bolt like for the access hatch, they couldn't get it open. Apparently, they they MacGyvered a solution here. Nice. Um, one was like this cleaning brush tool that they made from like uh, bent wires that they made. They they basically mounted a bunch of bent wires, you know, looped back and forth to uh, create a brush to clean out all the metal shavings. Nice from the housing, and then they um, they modified a toothbrush. Uh, in order to lubricate the bolt housing, <laughs> nice. They're like, well, we we got we got stuff on board. Let's 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 MacGyver a solution, and they did. And nice. That's great. It's like what what am I? I I'm, I've spent a lot time a lot of time not even just you know watching the movie Apollo thirteen, but going and researching what they did. Absolutely. And and like that uh, the CO two filter that they built. Sure. 
that, that that's like one of my favorite parts of of how they got the the crew home was they're just like oh well let's just let's just put stuff together and make one of these you know you got, you got some duct tape and socks we could do this <laughs> hell yeah i gotta love that kind of stuff totally with you well we should probably wrap up you got anything to add here at the end uh no i really appreciate the feedback we got coming in here keep it coming and uh, once again thanks for listening (laughs) awesome on that note we'll see you next week from everyone here at modern geek and gwc thanks for listening if you have something to add to the show a news tip feedback on anything we've discussed or just some random awesomeness we'd love to hear from you give us a call at 214-296-9229 that's 214-296-9229 and follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast you'll find other gwc podcasts as well as the friendliest people in geekdom on the gwc website and forum at galacticwatercooler.com and don't forget financial support from listeners like you keep all gwc podcasts on the net each week to find out how to donate visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate